I am joined by the legendary commentator Martin Tyler, who was behind the mic last night. And I don't even know if he's recovered yet, whichever way his emotions will be. But I know Martin will tell me that he calls the game. And that's where it begins and ends. It's been such a long time, Martin. Thank you so much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening, Robert. So lovely to talk to you again after all this time. What an evening last night. But firstly, thank you so much for the great work throughout the entire tournament. Really, really loved your work. Well, it was a lovely tournament to work on. Um, great credit to the authorities, UEFA, of course, and the 11 different nations that staged these fixtures. I mean, it was a very difficult structure of a tournament, even before the pandemic, well, with the pandemic coming into it as well. How we got finished, I'm not quite sure, but we did, and it went long into the night, and it was really dramatic, even the shootout switched one way and then the other. Um, but I do think the uh, the best team over the piece won. I think England deserved to be in the final, um, but what Roberto Mancini has done for Italy is quite extraordinary to take them from the depths of despair, not even qualifying for a World Cup for Italy. Um, how dismal that was for the nation and he told them and we've heard all this from the players in the build-up to the final he told them when he took over the job three years ago that they would be champions of europe or they could be champions of europe if they really applied themselves i don't think any of them believed it at the time but he instilled the belief and uh, you know yes pain for england but great gain for italy and you know mancini spent some time over here with Manchester city played a little bit for leicester city and, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, well thought of and his team are well thought of because it was um, a great effort. And right from the first game, they were in the first game and they were in the 51st game and they've taken home the trophy. What do you think he's done? Because I think given in the early stages, Martin, coming into the tournament itself, people were really calling them out and saying that they could potentially be the favourites because of that turnaround that um, Roberto Mancini had brought about and the, the uh, you know, the, the kind of players that he has at his disposal. But it, it was just about their sheer ability. Um, it was about the style of football that they were able to play, regardless of who was on the field at any particular time, that he is very clear in his instructions and direction. For you, what was it and what is it about the new Roberto Mancini era that's made them now the champions? I think it's a simple um, thing, togetherness. Um, It's something that you tend from the outside to take for granted that a team is a team, but a squad is a squad. But from the inside, that isn't always the case. Yes, they're named as squads, named as teams, but they're not always on the same page as people. And that. Uh, the big cliques and ego trips and all the things that can disrupt the uh, the smooth running of a, a team that's trying to win a trophy. He put them all in equally. You look around the whole of the country, you got players not just from Juventus and Inter, but for clubs like Sassuolo and Atalanta. And they, um, he, he, he set it up fair and square, and he expected his players to respond fair and square, and they did. And I think the, the, the focus, obviously, on the, the two veteran defenders who who were basically, um, I think, with doubts before the tournament, you know, whether they could do it for one more tournament, Bonucci and Chiellini. Uh, that was the worry for the Italian supporters. Um, but what Mancini did was take some of the pressure off the defence because certainly early in the tournament, they, they were a very watchable attacking side. And uh, I think that um, that got them into a position where, as you mentioned earlier, other teams dropped out, got knocked out one by one. They, of course, 
were good enough to knock out Belgium, who one of the favourites. So uh, they earned their place, and they did it in an attractive way. And uh, you know, just as um, England, as we're speaking, Robert, there's a thunderstorm outside oh. my house. <laughs> it's raining <laughs> on England's parade. There's no parade, uh, but in Italy, I'm sure the sun is shining and shining on the successful squad of Roberto Mancini. Well, I hope you're on the safe side of that uh, storm as well. You know, you never know. We would have said it's a bit of good luck if it was ahead of the final, but uh, certainly post that, it's a different story. Maybe a time for reflection. And, we, you know, we pour praise on uh, Roberto Mancini. But if we have to flip it, though, Martin, and we look at uh, Garrett Southgate and we look at how much praise he was getting after being criticised, though, at some stage as, a, as the national team coach. Uh, but then the longer the tournament went on, the more praise he got. And people looked at the squad and said, yeah, it is possible. Look at the sum total of these players, youth, frequency of play at club level. You know, hence everybody thought, yeah, it's coming home. But then critically, and on the day of the final, I mean, fingers have been pointed at him having made some critical and crucial mistakes in terms of just the planning, who he brought on and off, and at what stage he brought them on and off, and who should have and shouldn't have taken the penalties. What's been the main drive of what you've read and what you analyze, Martin? I think uh, on the night there's always recriminations, and he's been the first to say it was his fault. But his contribution, not just in this tournament, the semi-final of the World Cup, to the semi-final after that of the New Nations League, and now to a final. England had never been in a European Championship final before, so they'd made history before a ball was kicked yesterday. So, uh, yes, he, he, he made some big calls throughout the tournament and got them all right. I suppose the, uh, the real question was um, Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho brought on Uh, very late, without any chance to get really warmed up before taking their penalties. Um, But both have scored penalties for England before Rashford only last month scored a a winning penalty in a a warm-up game. And and Sancho had scored in a game in the Nations League, which was decided by penalties. So uh, they would step forward. And the Pukaya Saka I'm not sure about how how many penalties he'd taken. I, I suppose just from the outside of it, having not investigated it since, really, um, why one or two more experienced players who were still on the pitch then didn't um, come forward. Um, and Jordan Pickford, for example, actually had scored a penalty in a shootout for England as well and strikes a mean ball, as you've seen. <laughs> so, um, But for a 19-year-old to have to take on that responsibility, um, you know, it, obviously it falls one way or the other, and it, it's fallen in a sad way. He's a very bright, intelligent, personable young man. I'm sure he'll be feeling dreadful because that's the kind of guy he is. He's not one who could probably shrug it off very easily. But um, the nation loves him and loves the squad and loves the manager. So I think the um, you know the, the momentary reaction to losing point fingers somewhere or the other, and maybe the manager's always the one who's going to get the most criticism. I think we wait to see what Gareth feels himself. I know him very well. He um, he he will take some time now to reflect on on how it's finished. Um, but he shouldn't forget what's happened in the lead up to it. And a couple of unsuccessful penalties shouldn't, I think, derail what is still huge progress in the England team. Just centering it on a, a Marcus Rashford, because for me it was all about the body language, and you know what kind of player he is, uh, you know, uh, uh, professional on and off the field. 
And I kind of looked today and I looked at the kind of minutes that he had had in the build-up to the game, and it wasn't really much. It was against Croatia. He clocked, what, 20 minutes. Uh, against uh, Scotland, it was 17 minutes. Against Czech Republic, 24. He was on the bench for the Germany game, played 26 minutes against the Ukraine. He was on the bench for the Denmark game and then literally played for one minute yesterday uh, before having to take the penalty. And one looked at the body language. I think he was expected to come on slightly earlier, and it didn't happen, and it just waited up until the minute before uh, the shootout happened. And and that, to me, and I know he's a professional player. We should expect a little bit more. Uh, but being the kind of person, you know, because you also got to be a football supporter, Martin, while you also look at things analytically. And in my mind, I just said, he's he's going to miss. You know, I said it, and you marked well, he, it. He, and, was, yeah. he was, the, 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 the lack of time on the field, I think, is a, a relevant point. But I mean, Marcus Rashford, I think, first took a penalty to get um, Manchester United past Paris Saint-Germain in the very late moment in Paris in uh, in a Champions League game. And he had to step up, and he, he, he delivered then, and he's delivered pretty much all of his penalties since. One or two, I think, uh, haven't gone in. But um, he's facing the goalkeeper, who was the player of the tournament. He didn't know that at the moment uh, that the penalty was taken, but he was voted it at the end. Donnarumma has an extraordinary record of uh, 34 caps, never conceded more than one goal in a game in an international and he conceded one in the final after two minutes so there must have been a long a look a good chance that he was going to concede more than one but that didn't happen and he didn't concede the goalkeepers um, have all the advantages in the penalties if the ball goes in nobody blames them but they they're great at psyching out the opposition and this sort of shall shall i dive in the player doesn't look at the ball, but he just puts it and he looks at the goalkeeper and puts it to the other side. That's what Marcus tried to do. Um, and it just didn't come off. It was fine margins, and that's what we're, we're talking about. You know, to win, even in the world of football statistics, uh, Robert, that doesn't mm. count as a win, believe it or not, for Italy yeah. or a defeat for England. They put it down as a draw because the penalty shootout is deemed uh, outside the the confines of, a, of, of real football intensity and action. So that's how close it was. And to berate um, any individual or any team for just failing in those big moments, those lottery moments, uh, I think is, is very tough. And Marcus Rashford's a wonderful young man. You're probably well aware of all he's been doing outside of football to try and uh, breach the poverty gap, which he suffered from as a young man himself. And so, uh, yeah, he's got a lot of credit in the bank, I have to say. Somebody asked the question, when, when you analyze a, a trip here, saying that is there an issue, is there something somebody would have picked up between coach and Trippier himself, or is that just people reading too much into a situation? I'm not quite sure. Um, but that is something that, that must have passed me by on the night, but Kieran Trippier is one of the leading people in the England group. Mm. Um, he's played a lot, um, more than maybe people expected. Gareth Southgate trusts him, and he's a very um, experienced player. Now he's just won La Liga in Spain with Atletico Madrid, not with Real Madrid or Barcelona, but with Atletico Madrid. Uh, it's a great achievement, and he's um, he has his opinions, and, and he is very much in the forefront. He's one of those, of course, he scored in the World Cup semi-final and he made the goal for England in the European Championship final. So the other wing-back, Luke Shaw, who um, 
uh, looked as though he might end up being the hero of the night, but it, it wasn't to be. And, and there'll be details looked at. Uh, defeat always breeds comment and criticism, but only one team can win, so the other team will always lose. So I think sometimes we, we have to look at the wider picture than the actual details of the night. Talk about that wider picture. Vustin Mosimo on Twitter, Martin has asked the question. He says, please ask Martin, uh, what does he make of England's overall performance in the Euro final, uh, even though it didn't go England's way and with the kind of crop of players in the squad at the moment? Where does he see England in about a year or two? If you have to project ahead? It's a really good question. I, I think in the final, there was... A little bit of the echoes of the World Cup semi-final, getting in front and not finishing the job. Uh, an understandable caution from a nation not used to winning uh, at the big end of tournaments. Plenty of wins in qualification. That always comes pretty easily. And progress in tournaments, by and large, has been pretty good as well, certainly recently. Uh, I don't, don't think they quite did themselves justice in that respect. They allowed Italy to get back into it. But credit Mancini's team for their and their own self-belief as well, which, you know, that's an away game as it's turned out for them, although officially they were the home side in the way these things get drawn out of the hat. But um, I think England will progress. There's a process going on. The World Cup, assuming England will qualify, they've, they've made a good start. Obviously, that's all a bit delayed with the reasons we know why. Um, it's only, what, 16 months away, the World Cup, and I think it can't come quick enough for those England lads who are dispersing from the training camp now and going off for, for a well-deserved summer break. I think they'll want to get back in the saddle, and I think most of them have room for improvement, one or two maybe coming towards the end of their careers, but um, it is uh, it, it is uh, something that's been really... It's come from a change of attitude to the national team with the development of a national training centre at St George's Park. Oh, the vast majority of these players are, are used to being part of it. Like, like France and Italy have always had these national centres and um, England hadn't, believe it or not, they hadn't. So, and England have twice been world champions under 17 and under 20s in the last four years. They've won a European under 19 title as well. Uh, outside the senior team, there's, there's a lot of medals and lots of success. So it's just translating it forward. And I, I think the progress has been enormous. The process is going on. And they'll go into it like a lot of big nations football-wise. They'll be going into um, those finals in Qatar, as I say, assuming again that qualification happens. Um, feeling there's a good chance. And it's a November-December tournament, isn't it, Robert? So sure. that's that's great for the northern uh, the northern countries, the European countries, because it's sort of at the, the time in the season where they're fit and reasonably fresh. They've had three months of league football instead of ten months of league football, um, which is why it's so tough to go into the uh, the finals in the summer for England players in particular because the Premier League, every game is so intense. Not the same in every European country. But they, there is a, a fatigue factor. That's been the main reason why I think England don't have a, a whole list of trophies and still have just that one. As you said, 55 years ago, 1966, Sir Jeff Hurst was there last night. He scored the three goals, three of the four goals in that final. And um, he was as devastated as any Englishman, I'm sure, any English person. Um, but it didn't quite happen. I'm just going to incorporate, I've got all of five minutes left, uh, Martin. 
Well, so I was going to ask, you know, the inevitable question at the end because of how fans behave. And it was so good to see fans back at the stadium um, celebrating. I mean, we're going through probably our worst period of lockdown right now in South Africa with the Delta variant uh, wreaking havoc across the entire South Africa and this region. Uh, so looking at those scenes is something foreign to South Africans because we haven't had fans at the venue since last year, March. Now, when we see that and we see the celebration and everybody's together and it's a great vibe and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it brings back memories of our World Cup in 2010 almost because of yeah. how the pre and during happened. But then, as, as Usilama on Twitter says, and it's a question I was going to ask as a closing, Martin, is that is there any better way to deal with racism? England was fined twice uh, before uh, the finals for fan misbehavior, etc. What are the practical measures that can be taken? And, you know, we saw the inevitable when the three players um, of color missed their penalties and they were just subjected to all sorts of nonsense on social media. Well, it wasn't just England. Killian Mbappe, I believe, went through the same dreadful process as well. It's deplorable, despicable. Um, there's a, a lot of good work going on. Um, the taking the knees has been going on before every Premier League game for an entire season and before that for a, a few uh, uh, of the games at the, the back end of the season before we got going again. Um, the awareness of the need to uh, cut out discriminatory behaviour is, is enormous. And these initiatives just don't reach the people who are too ignorant to be able to realise how idiotic and how painful their, their comments are. Um, social media says they're just, uh, you know, it's not their fault. Um, I think it is to some extent. They should be able to put in some way of, um, censorship is a terrible word, but some way of um, making sure that these, which are, which are basically criminal statements. I mean, if, if they were made face-to-face, um, there would be prosecutions. People would be punished. And not tracking down the people that uh, are allowed to do this, it's ignorance um, and it's uh, it's downright nastiness. All I can say, Robert, from, from this side of it, there's a, a huge sense of shame. It is a minority. I have to emphasize that. But the minority have often ruined things for the majority. The majority are, I, I believe, not racist people in this country. Um, but they, they want to see equality. They want to see diversity. All the issues that are quite rightly in the forefront of life as we know it today. Um, and, and the punishment never fits the crime because I don't know how many of those people will be targeted and will be hunted down by the law enforcement authorities and and at least put in a program of education where they realize how awful it is. And football is a great um, universal sport where we reach out gender, um, color, everything is all, we're all in it together. It's a wonderful melting pot. But they're these, these absurd, idiotic people who who have no no better. Um, I, I just don't put me in the same room as them, Robert. That's all I can say. 
Martin, as always, thank you so much for dissecting that and looking back at what was a historic moment on many fronts, whether you're an Italian fan or the disappointment from an England fan. Uh, but you said that history was already made uh, even prior to the kickoff of the final itself. Always great hearing your voice. I hope you take a bit of a break uh, before the season starts all over again. Well, just a few uh, this morning, um, about eight hours, eight hours after I got home from Wembley, I started pre-season training with a club that I coach. <laughs> so I think it's a change as good as the rest. And putting uh, putting the boots on again after putting the microphone down is is my way of uh, unwinding. I'm not sure the players our players think that. But, uh, <laughs> so um, that's that's the next couple of weeks for me. <laughs> oh, what commitment, Martin! As always, thank you so much for being a great friend of the show and giving us your insight as busy as you are. Everything of the best and good luck with the team. Thanks, Robert. Thank you so much indeed. That, ladies and gentlemen, was the commentator uh, through the Euro 2020 and, of course, your commentator from the match last night, Martin Taylor.